Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> Sounds like I just woke you up. So I have completed so far only half of a journey to Birmingham in Euro Truck Simulator. Uh-huh. Uh, I played uh, maybe, I don't know, for like half an hour uh, or something like that after our first conversation about it. I haven't right. come back to it yet, but I plan to. It's a super interesting game. <laughs> it's so weird. Do you see what I mean? It's it's not exactly a game. It's not a game. It's It's a thing that you can do on the computer which is game-like, but it isn't really a game. Do you want to know the way that I know that this isn't a game? How? When I started playing it, uh, I ran straight for a red light because I was mm-hmm. playing it like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I oh. was just like, drive! And I was like, oh, no, wait, there are, there are rules that I have to observe, which are real-world <laughs> rules. This isn't a game anymore. When I, I was showing my wife Euro Truck Simulator... The very first time, it's like, okay, I have to pull out of this garage and drive down the street, and I turn the corner, and there's a red light, and I stop for a red light. And her opinion was, you have to, you have to stop for red lights in this virtual world? And then she's looking around and realizing that there's also cars here. She's like, and there's traffic? That was it, right? It's like, nope, yeah. not interested in this. Well, this is the thing. I was like, oh, this game is super calming. Until I look at the GPS, realize there's a turn coming up, swerve to take the turn and nearly kill 20 people. It's like, this isn't calming at all. <laughs> what are you talking about, kill 20 people? There's, there's, this is a depopulated universe. There's no people on the sides of the roads. A, a lane of cars that I nearly careered into. Yeah, you can career into other cars, but they're fine. What happens if you do crash into somebody? The, the worst that happens is that you end up flipping the truck. Mm. You've not, you haven't flipped the truck yet, have you? No, what did you do to flip the truck? <laughs> if, you just, if you try to take too sharp of... Just like in real life, Mike. Just like in real life. If you try to take too sharp of a turn... You can flip your truck, and then the only thing that happens really is that you have to call. There's a little button which says press E to call emergency services, but really all that happens is they they tow you to the nearest town, and you lose a bunch of time, and you have to pay a bunch of money in fines. But even then, it's like, oh, okay, let's just, you know, start driving again. Hopefully you aren't late with your delivery. The truck is surely damaged beyond repair at that point, though. You have to pay a bunch of repairs. It's, you know, just a bunch of money that you lose. But, you know, it's not about that, Mike. It's about... Driving across virtual Germany. That's what the game is. Because you've just put out a video very recently, which we're going to talk about a little later on, I'm mm-hmm. assuming that right now you're in post-video video game mode. Yeah. Normally I would be. And and frankly, I really should be because I, I am in no mental state to do anything, not even record this very podcast that we're doing right now. I really shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> um, because... For reasons we might get to, I am really out of my mind at the moment. But uh, unfortunately, I have just a bunch of administrative work that I really have to catch up on before a certain deadline. And so I'm actually still doing regular work now. So I'm not I'm not in my normal glorious, I'm going to take a few days off and just you know, play some games mode. I am still in working mode, but it's like a work light mode for the next couple of days mm. but I, I would i would genuinely be i would genuinely much rather be driving a truck right now is that the game that you will be playing though because obviously this this time this video game time will come soonish i guess yeah i think euro truck simulator is all that i would be mentally capable of right now that's 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 why that game is attracting to me it's not like oh you know prison architect or rim world or any of these various games it's like you know what they're all too complicated I, I all i can handle right now is is a truck that's all i can do have you ever played goat simulator no it looks really dumb it's uh well okay 
it's as dumb as Euro Truck Simulator, Gray. You know? Euro Truck Simulator is not dumb, and I will not stand for you saying that it is dumb. Okay. Well, Goat Simulator, I've been playing this, right? Because I came to the realization that I bought an Apple TV, right? And I bought the controller, the Bluetooth controller, and then realized that the Bluetooth controller can play games on my iPad. So I've been using, I've been playing some games on my iPad with that Bluetooth controller, and one of them is Goat Simulator. Wait a second, wait a second. Back up, back Mm -hmm. up, back up. When you say the Bluetooth controller, you don't mean the Apple remote, right? You mean something else? No, I bought the one that that they're promoting. Like, it's like a gamepad. It's called the Nimbus Steel or something like that. It's the one that Apple, they have in all the press shots. Like, here is a Bluetooth controller that we recommend that you buy, basically. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm unaware of this do you have a link i want to see what it looks like if you just go to oh, hang, on, hang on i'm i'm bringing up like in the time <laughs> it takes me to get the link like you could just go to apple.com and click tv am i searching for nimbus controller that's what i'm doing nimbus steel no, series just if you just give me moment. where am i mike <laughs> why isn't there just a link oh, god <laughs> Is this what I'm dealing with today? I have like uh, baby gray that I'm taking care of. This is exactly what you're dealing Hang with on. today. Right. Okay. Here you go. This is the one. Where's the? Where are you sending this? Is this on Skype? I sent it to you an iMessage. Is this an iMessage? Oh, uh, okay. All right. Okay. So that that's that's what you, I was just wondering. I happened to just moments before we started recording the podcast, I got a delivery of my Steam controller, which I'm curious to try out, but I haven't actually oh. had a chance to even open the box yet. That's interesting. I grew up in the console world of Super Nintendos and Nintendos. So th- those were the last controllers that I ever used. And for me, the time that the N64 came around, which was the first like 3D dual stick or actually single stick controller universe came by. I never really played much N64, so I never really had much experience with these kind of stick controllers. Because by that point, I transitioned to the PC as all superior players do. And I've been using a mice and keyboard for gaming for forever. But I did order the Steam controller because I was just kind of curious about how it works. But so you're telling me this thing that you got, you can connect it over Bluetooth to your iPad mm-hmm. and then just like set your iPad up on the stand and play some games. Yes. It's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, it makes it quite an interesting just like portable game machine. And mm. more and more games are having this type of support because the developer has to build it into their game. Hmm. Um, but it's happening more and more, uh, and I yeah I've been enjoying Goat Simulator because it's kind of mindless. It's just stupid, right? You are a goat and you are running around and headbutting things, and then things explode. And there are so many glitches in this game because it's basically the whole game is just built on a glitchy version of the Unreal Engine. Yeah, the impression that I have gotten from various people talking about it is that this is it's almost like uh it's almost like the same phenomenon as Flappy Bird, where the game is just terrible, but that's part of the fun. Yeah. Like it's just awful. They they kind of built a physics engine, put a goat in it, and like shipped it. But they really kind of embrace that, right? <laughs> right. And and the the company has a lot of fun with it. So mm-hmm. I like I like their kind of the way that they go about things, and so I played a bit of Goat Simulator. And it's just become a nice way for me to spend like 10 minutes just running around as the goat and like headbutting stuff and trying to find little, because there's little goals and objectives that you can, that you can do. And then they unlock different types of goats that you can play as. Like oh, I have, okay. Here we go. Here's, here's where the mechanics comes yeah. in. Okay. Yeah. So uh-huh. I have spider goat, right? Who can uh-huh. stick to walls. For mm-hmm. example, as you would expect, I don't know what that gets me, but it just happens like, no, I have it. 
Um, or there's like fancy goat, which is a penguin. A penguin is not a fancy goat. Well, but he's wearing a tuxedo, right? Like that's, <laughs> it's not actually, but it's the penguin, right? He's wearing a tuxedo. But it's a fancy penguin. I I really want you to try Goat Simulator. I I would just love to know if your brain could could kind of reconcile with this game. Like I've I've seen some reviews of this and I've heard some people talk about it. This does not this holds no attraction for me, but I know maybe 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 for your benefit I will give it a try later on and see if uh see if Goat Simulator is entertaining. But this doesn't this seems to hold almost no attraction for me. It might be an interesting game to test out with your Steam controller though. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess is. I guess it's on Steam. Yeah, yeah. I gotta open that up. I gotta. I haven't even. I haven't even touched it. Didn't have time. I it's... don't know anybody that owns one of those. I'm interested that you bought that. I I got it totally as a curiosity. Yeah. I was interested, and I I figured actually by the shipping shipping date would be around the time when in theory I would be playing video games after the next video went up. But sadly, that's not actually the case. So I just thought it would be something fun to try and. In no small part, this is also just a curiosity that is related to uh, various RSI issues. Because I'm aware, like, oh, if I'm always playing games on my computer and I also Mm -hmm. always work on my computer, it might be good to, because as we've discussed on the show before, I like to rotate input devices just normally, even whenever I'm working. Like, sometimes I use the trackpad, sometimes I use the pen, sometimes I use a regular mouse, sometimes I use a trackball. And I thought, oh, okay, if I can, for the times that I do play games, rotate in an extra controller, like this might help even further. Like it's one more different way to send information to the computer. So uh, I'll be curious to see how it turns out. It might be terrible, but I think it's worth trying. Yeah, if I ever play Steam games and need a controller, um, I actually connect my PlayStation 4 controller. Like That's easy to do with the Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, which right. is which is great. Yeah, but this is because you're a console peasant and you have mm-hmm. consoles all over the place. So it's funny how you say that when like most major studios just ignore the PC now and just put out games that are like incredibly buggy. Like isn't this the whole isn't this the whole joke between the console peasant and PC master race? Right? It's yep. it's like a fake fight. It's not real. I don't think oh. anybody's really into this. Everybody just loves to pretend. Oh, there are some people that are super into it. I mean, this is the thing. When a when a group gets large enough, there's always a crazy person who's not in on the joke. Right, and so there will be some people who take it seriously, but I, I don't, I don't know anybody who actually does take it seriously. So you mentioning um, changing input devices, right, mm-hmm. has reminded me um, about the Wacom because we spoke about this a long time ago, and I picked up a Wacom by your suggestion. Yeah, you, I mean, you have a, a Wacom pen tablet. Yeah, I think I have the Intuos. I'm gonna say one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a, they have a million of them. It's basic. It's a pretty simple one that I have. I'll put a link in the show notes to the actual one that I that I own. And I bought it and tried it out a little bit and then just put it to the side mm-hmm. because it wasn't as great as the MX Master. Mm-hmm. But then that thing basically crippled me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've mentioned it much here, but I know no. on some of your other podcasts you have mentioned that your love for the MX Master was... A very torrid, but also very brief love affair because it seems to have totally crippled your hand. Yeah, I I know what I did wrong. Um, I set up the buttons in such a way that was fantastic, but the least ergonomic that any arrangement Mm -hmm. could ever be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was using all of the buttons along the side with like my thumb and moving my wrist in peculiar angles to switch desktops and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It was a disaster. So the mouse I still maintain is fantastic, but don't set it up in a stupid way like I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it basically put my right hand out of commission 
Mm. And I'm, this was like three or four weeks ago, and I'm currently getting a lot better with it because I don't use my right hand so much anymore for input because I'm left-handed. So I use a pen tablet with my left hand, which is mm-hmm. extremely beneficial for me in this resting period. So I've been using uh, the Wacom for a long time now, and I, I really like this way of of navigating my computer. You are totally right on this, but it does take commitment that I wouldn't have made unless I had to, and it was because yeah. I had to that I made the commitment because it's very, very different, and you have to really get used to the movement. Like trying to edit podcasts initially was a nightmare because mm-hmm. I would be moving. It just wasn't as precise for me initially, so I would be like moving audio files around incorrectly, and I'd like thought I'd place them, and I'd take my hand off the tablet, and it moves just a millimeter, and I was like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, that that that, that exact gesture that you mentioned, which is the, the placing... And then letting go of something yep. is, a, is a thing that you have to learn when you're using a, a pen tablet as your primary computer interface. I have no idea why this was never a problem of any other input method. But for some reason, with a pen, I just can't keep things in the place that they're meant to be. So I kind of, I use that and I also use a magic trackpad with my, like I keep it on the right. And I mainly use that for just gestures, like zooming in and out and panning around. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I've been for a few weeks. And I'm thinking about maybe going back to a mouse at some point, like putting a mouse back into my rotation. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I'm probably going to go for a gaming mouse at the suggestion of underscore David Smith. Uh, I was talking to him about this and he was like, if you want buttons on a mouse, you should look at a gaming mouse because the buttons are like super easy to press. They're built that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I might look at that. And they have different button configurations, which might be better for my hand placement and stuff like that. So oh, I'm yeah, probably yeah. going to bring that back in at, the, at a certain point. But I think it was your suggestion was just like, you got to wait at least like six weeks for the damage to go away if it's ever going to go away. Yeah, it it takes it takes a while to recover from a, a time when you feel like ooh you've had some some really bad RSI. I, I I will still I will still very strongly recommend to people out there that if you if you have RSI that is related to a mouse, I I really recommend giving the pen tablet as input method a real try, like a try for quite a while. And while I do rotate input devices, I would say. My default is almost always the pen tablet. I probably use the pen tablet for 60% of all of all work that I do on the computer. And then just sometimes I switch out to other things. I, I really do think that a pen is a very natural tool to use. Like it, your hand naturally wants to close around a pen. Uh, it, you know, you're able to you're able to push down on a surface in a way without having to put your hand in an awkward position. I, I, I really I really like it a lot, and I have found it extraordinarily beneficial to use a, a pen tablet. Yeah, it, that was an excellent suggestion from you. And also, this, you know, planting the seed that, like, you're not going to like this initially yeah, yeah. was very that, useful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, have to, you have to know that you will almost certainly hate it for the first week. And as as I mentioned last time, that you have to put it in this tracking the screen mode. Like you 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 won't like it, but when you use it for a little while, then you'll see. Oh, okay, I can I can get the hang of this quite easily. Like as we are recording right now, like I did all the setting up using a pen tablet. So that's uh, that is always my my default input device. And I'll tell you, if you use one of these in your daily work, you'll feel more like more of a creative professional person. It's just something about seeing somebody use a pen tablet with a computer. Be like, they're making stuff, man. Look at that guy. <laughs> yeah, look at that guy playing prison architect with his pen tablet. Just don't look at the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't look at the screen. Don't look at the screen. I'm not drawing roads in city skylines. That's not. That's not what I'm doing right now. I'm an artiste. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so going back to video games. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm playing another game right now that I like very much that I think you would like, although I don't know if it's available for your system, which is Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, man. Mike. 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 I have never seen a game that has more made me think, you know what? I should go and buy a TV Mm -hmm. and a console Mm -hmm. just to play this one game. You should do it. It's like, I don't know. I I own none of the equipment necessary for Star Wars Battlefront. But everything I have ever seen about it is like, this thing looks amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it it looks so good this past summer when I was visiting my parents. I mean, my parents are not into video games at all, really. I mean, like in this classic way. It's actually, actually, just realized that's not entirely true. Like my mom does play, uh, she does get into some video games, but nothing, nothing like first person shooter games. No. All right. Like, she, like she will, she will bank hundreds and hundreds of hours in, into uh, Settlers of Catan on the iPad. But like, she's not, she's awesome. not running around on, on an ice planet shooting people. Right. Um, but I showed my parents one of the intro trailers to Star Wars Battlefront. And even then, they were like, that looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I mean, there's no story to it at all. Um, yeah. Which it, maybe it's missing. I mean, it's nice to have some of that sort of stuff sometimes. And so it's kind of broken down into multiplayer and like local play, which is really good because you can have like, if you suck at multiplayer games, which I mostly do. Um, you can have basically the entire experience, but just playing with AI. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, you can run around on all the different planets. You can command different ships and fly them around in dogfighting mode, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play as Luke and Darth Vader. and yeah, yeah. It's- Luke, pff, whatever. Darth Vader, yes. I mean, obviously, obviously the joy in these games is crushing the rebellion. That's That's where the pleasure is derived from these kinds of things. Okay. <laughs> right? It's like it's like the Star Wars games in the past, you know, they're like, oh, you can play as Rebels. It's like, yeah, I mean, I guess playing as Rebels is sort of fun, but actually TIE Fighter is where the action was. Like, the number of hours I sunk into some of those old TIE Fighter games was just enormous. It's like, yes, I need to climb the ranks in the evil empire. This is delightful. In video games, it's always more fun to be the bad guy because you have to be the good guy in real life. That's interesting. Okay, so in these types of games where you need to make decisions about, like, your character like in an RPG type game, do you go down the bad route? Oh, man, yeah, always, always. Yeah, I feel guilty going down the bad route. <sighs> okay, look, so, I mean, here's the thing. I I played World of Warcraft a while back, which is a game I put off playing for many, many years because I thought I would be super into it. And actually, I just found it really boring. I played like an hour of WoW once and then never came back. Yeah, I, I played through uh, the Undead campaign in World of Warcraft. As soon as their story campaign was over, I was like, oh, this is boring as anything. I just want to ride around on my horse and look at all the scenery. But uh, there was, you know, that's not really an option. But anyway, whenever in a video game you're given the choice of picking someone, it's like, oh, okay, well, obviously I'm going to be an undead warlock, right? Like, that's what I'm going to do because in real life, that's not what I am. And I always felt like I'm suspicious of the people who choose the good guys like who are the people who are like oh i'm going to i'm going to play a video game and i'm going to be just generic normal good person human mcnormal dude right i just i always find that suspicious because i feel like if i always pick the villains because of course in real life you have to be a good person what are you if you're picking the good people in a video game is it because you're secretly a psychopath that's my suspicion yes (laughs) See, <laughs> really, I'm very nasty in in real life, uh, so I have to play the nice guy on the video games to balance that all out. You know. Yeah. 
Like, isn't the whole point of the video game to be, you know, just doing stuff that you wouldn't normally do? Like, I'm not actually a trucker, so that's why I would play Euro Truck Simulator. I don't imagine that there are many actual long-haul truckers who get home from their busy day of long-haul trucking and boot up Euro Truck Simulator. I don't think there are many people who do that. Yeah, there was a couple of people in the Reddit when we originally spoke about this that, that do drive for a living and said that this game was like hell to them, naturally. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it's like, I would not play YouTube Simulator 5000 as a video game, right? Like, that would not be fun for me. I feel like I play that every time I upload a video. <laughs> it throws different challenges to me every single time. I would say, though, that being... With a lot of video games that I play, I'm already doing something that's not my life, so I can still play the good guy. Like, I'm not actually commanding a space fleet, but I can still play the good guy. Yeah, I don't know. I still feel like people who play the heroic underdogs, I feel like they have a... a... Like a dark secret. <laughs> I know. No, it's like, or, or, if they don't have a dark secret, it's like they have an overly idealized view of themselves. That's that's my feeling on this. Man, I cannot wait to see what the feedback will look like for that statement. <laughs> Come on, playing the villain is so much more fun. It's 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 way more fun. It's like if I was a movie actor, what do you want to do? You want to play the hero or you want to play the villain? No, obviously you want to play the villain. It's the always the better role. You would only be cast in villainous roles anyway because because of your voice. I, I don't think I have a villainous voice. You do have a villainous voice. Is this deep and booming? Yeah, but it could be the voice of God, Mike. All right. Wow. (laughs) Someone's had a lot of coffee today. Uh, Just say for me, like, something like... um, No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not your monkey. Okay, I'm going to try and make you inadvertently say something evil during today's episode. Okay, you can try to do that. (laughs) One of the reasons that we originally spoke about Eurotruck Simulator was because you do it when at times to relax or like when you're editing and stuff like that right mm-hmm. so something that i do which isn't video game related is adult coloring are you familiar with the trend of adult coloring uh, no so this is the thing that has begun now where uh, there are coloring books made for adults oh yeah yep and it is something that i do when i edit this show mainly i get my coloring book do you mean like adults like, like this is adult entertainment coloring books? Is that what you no, mean? No, it's not not like sordid. This is the problem. with The trend is called like adult coloring, which makes it sound like it's like triple X coloring, but it's right, not. Right. It's I'm coloring in pictures of flowers, basically. Oh. But the, the name of it is all kind of wrong. On the, on the pen addict, we, we now refer to it as grown-up coloring, which is maybe a little bit better, but there's no kind of easy way to say this. But I have a, a book called, uh, see, this doesn't help. It's called Secret Garden. Uh, <laughs> this is like, yeah, you keep you keep digging I'm deeper digging here, Mike. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm going to put some pictures in our show notes of some of the artwork that I have created whilst editing this show. And it is an incredibly But wait, wait, wait you mean, you mean you're, you're coloring? Color. You're coloring. You're not drawing well, a thing. I mean, yeah, but I'm choosing the colors. Yeah, Take, yeah, I've got I've got some pictures here. Right. But if I do if I do a paint by number thing of Starry Night, I'm not going to say I have painted Starry Night. Why are you trying to take away my my achievements? Because this isn't an achievement. You've colored Take a something. look at this like, Instagram you might en- picture. You might enjoy it, right? You might like get get pleasure out of it, you might enjoy it, you might find it quite relaxing. I will agree with all of those points, but it's not an achievement. Like I'm not going to give you a trophy for completing a coloring book. You should do. Take a look at my no. Take a look at this Instagram picture. Okay, what are you? Where are you linking me? This thing. It's in our show notes. It's in the document that is obviously in front of you right now. What? Oh, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the Nimbus. 
Yes. Uh, Did you buy one yet? <laughs> no. Yeah, okay, so I'm looking at this picture, and I would think, oh, wow, Mike drew all of these hippie flowers, but you didn't draw them, you colored them. Yeah, but I chose the colors. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, this is something that I do uh, in these scenarios, and the reason that I do this is because when I'm editing cortex i have to be more hands-on right because right. i'm doing like the first edit and and I, we don't do the 12 edits that you do to hello internet um so i do the first edit i don't do like any of the subsequent stuff so i'm going in and being more frequent to change things so i put my coloring book in front of my keyboard i do mm -hmm. some coloring every time one of us says something that we need to cut i pause it go in fix it and then go back to coloring again i'm i'm glad that you have something to do while you edit like as we said before like this is this is like i think i think this kind of thing when you're working with audio some people definitely need like you need to doodle or you need to do something because you'll go crazy and you know for for me sometimes that's video games and and for you that's that's coloring i'm, I'm glad there are adult coloring books for you because i know i know a lot of people that are this is a big trend right now but i know a lot of people that are doing this is just a way to relax i'm telling you man if next time you're in a bookshop no, listen Gray, listen 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 it's always with these things like it's a big trend qualify those numbers for me like what do you mean by big trend like harry potter is that sure. what you mean i'm gonna say yes uh, if you go into a, any bookstore right now you will see tables and tables of coloring books this is this is a big thing this is a big thing i mean it's a big thing in bookstores but aren't bookstores on the way out i haven't been in a bookstore in years all right supermarkets have them and i know that for a fact Okay. <laughs> this is a thing, Gray. You can, you know. I, I, I am not denying that it is a thing. I just, I am dubious of your words. Like, it's a big trend. In bringing this up, what I never expected mm -hmm. uh, was that I was going to be convincing you to do this. That was never even entered my mind. I just wanted to let the listeners know that such a thing exists now. And, and I recommend it as a calming activity that I think people should look into. Oh, yeah. I, I wasn't thinking that you were trying to convince me to do it either. But I can definitely say that, yeah, I can see that for many kinds of work, this is a helpful thing to do while you are doing the work. I can I can totally understand that. So I just put down my coloring pens. Seriously, here they are. Just I want to put them down for just long enough to talk to you about Igloo. They are sponsoring this week's episode of Cortex. Igloo makes the internet you'll actually like so many of us have used intranets i used to use one every single day in my old corporate job as a way to get information and share stuff with everybody inside of your company but the problem with so many intranet products is that they feel like they were built a long long time ago by people who didn't understand what the web was going to be like in 20 years because obviously they couldn't see into the future but we are here now in the future the future is now everybody and this is igloo igloo is built from the ground up to fit in today's modern internet world. You can access your Igloo intranet from any device, no matter how big the screen size is and no matter where you are. You're no longer chained to one machine or one network to get onto your intranet. Your Igloo will give you access to everything you need to get your work done, like your task list, maybe document collaboration and sharing of everybody. Maybe you want to just have a little micro blog, you know, like a kind of Twitter type thing, where you can update everybody on what the progress is of that current project that you're working on. People can like it and 
can comment it and that kind of stuff. It really does work just like you would expect the internet to work today. You can customize your igloo to look and feel exactly how you like and it's so it will fit nicely within your company. They also have something called group spaces which allows you to customize different areas of your igloo and give access to different types of people. So for example, you can customize what the accounting team sees, you can customize what the sales team sees just so they get the tools that they need and everything is done by a real simple drag and drop widget editor. They integrate with Box, Google Drive and Dropbox. They put that all into their big easy to secure platform so it stops people from taking company documents and putting them in their own accounts and stuff like that because that can be a bit of a security risk. So you can integrate it all within Igloo so people can use the apps and services they like keeping you nice and secure. They also have their own document collaboration engine as well which has red receipts. This can be super useful for tracking that critical information has been seen by everyone in the team so it keeps everyone on the same page. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now and you can try it for free for any team of up to 10 people for as long as you like. Go to igloosoftware.com slash Cortex. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. Now I'm going to get back to doing my coloring and editing what you're about to hear. I've totally lost the show notes. I'm so incompetent today. It tells me that you're in the document, so it's yeah, there somewhere. No, okay. Uh, oh, okay. I found it. I found it again. There Good we go. Luck. Let me pull this up. You're doing well, by the way. I'm not. I am, I am barely holding together my brain today. <laughs> it's a rough day, Mike. I know, mate. I know. <laughs> All right. So we're looking at something in the follow-up here. We're going back to the podcast universe again. And because we have found a, a map has come across uh, my path by somebody called EJ, mm-hmm. who has created, I think this is definitely the most complete and best looking of the podcast universe maps that I have seen. Yeah, this is quite astounding. So this is on uh, the muffin.works website, which I like as a URL. Uh, <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes. Sometimes, I don't know why, like that just works together. Like muffin.works. Oh, yeah, that sounds reasonable. I can believe in that as a, as a website. Um, but yeah, they have put together this map, as we discussed on earlier episodes, trying to link together all of the various pieces of the podcast universe. And this is this is quite amazing because, I mean, I don't know, they must... I mean, how many how many podcasts do you think are on here? Two hundred podcasts? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's a good few hundred in here. Yeah, let's say it's a couple hundred that are listed, and the the problem with designing something like this is it just it just gets so visually complex so fast that it just becomes overwhelming and it looks like a yeah. big mess. The information density can go wrong incredibly fast. Yeah, it's it's very very hard to show a lot of information in a way that is possible to take in. But what I like that this person has done is they like they have this gigantic map you really do need to click on the link in the show notes people it's quite impressive but they have they have like subdivided it so that in the podcast universe they have color coded the various galaxies that exist and so you can go around and it's like oh here's the maximum fun network and it's in purple and it's all on the bottom or you know you can go over to the other side and there's the NPR universe right and it, that's colored in a different one so you can get a sense of very easily visually like which podcasts are related to each other and still track the individual connections across the map to get from you know like uh to get from radiotopia to like the incomparable and then to the mike hurley universe and relay it's it's really it's really well done it's it's quite impressive i don't know how long it 
must have taken, but it must have been forever. And the little detail that I quite like is that right on the edge of the map, yeah. just peeking in, peeking in from the side, there is the YouTube universe. <laughs> and so through me, basically, and through uh, Hank and John Green, there's like this little connection going into the YouTube universe. We can go from Mike Hurley, right, to CGP Grey, to Brady Harron. Oh, and now someone could make a whole other thing that just maps out all of the various connections in the YouTube universe. So it's, it's extraordinarily well done. I've got to give this person a lot of credit for this. Yeah, it, it's... The idea of the color coding is what really benefits this over any other, uh, the, any other example that I've seen. Yeah, take out the colors and this would be a mess. It would be yeah. impossible to, to follow. Yeah, it was really it was a really smart thing to do. Yeah. Quite like it. Big yeah. big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Yeah, now now I just need to start let me just start mapping the whole of the YouTube universe as well. There's enough YouTubers who do podcasts now that there are enough connection points here. Yeah. Like eventually we'll just we'll just connect up the whole world of media. You know, YouTube universe can connect into the TV universe. And then it's then it's uh we have six degrees of Mike can make connections with six degrees of kevin bacon yeah i wonder how many degrees there are between me and kevin bacon i guess six right yeah it's almost certainly going to be less than six someone will figure it out do you remember last time i was talking about the apple stores and i mentioned to you that they have money in the in the tables and you laughed it off yeah yeah that's not real uh an app an ex-apple employee by the name of duff in the reddit confirmed this oh yeah Yep, and then somebody, I don't have this in the show notes. Maybe I can try and find it. Somebody sent me a picture of uh, that they took of somebody where they were taking money out of the table. Oh, uh, okay. So that's what I was going to ask. You have photographic proof that there's Somewhere. money in those tables? Somewhere. I'm going to have to try and find it now, but somebody did send me that. I'm I'm quite surprised. You have to, you're going to have to just trust me, Gray. Do you trust me? I, I will trust you that you saw a picture of someone taking money out of the Apple table. Ah, you find these ways to phrase things. <laughs> What's wrong with my phrasing there? I trust that you saw it. Not that I trust that it actually happened or that it's true. <laughs> I trust that your eyes came upon this. But what what else am I supposed to say? Say I believe you, Mike. That it's true. <laughs> but that no, that's a different that's a different statement. I know, but that's what I want you to say. <laughs> like whether oh. you say that or not is one thing. That's what I want. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, we don't always get what we want. Well, now I'm searching the Reddit. Found it. Found it. Ha 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 ha! There you go. Now it's in the show notes. The listeners know this already. Do you see? Well, uh, there's no money in this picture, but there is. Oh, there like a is cash... money. <laughs> there's a cash register thing that's popping out of it. There's got to be money in there. Yeah. See, I'm, I told you that I'd seen this. Huh? Maybe next time I go into the Apple Store, I will try to pay something in cash just to see if I can get them to pop open one of those drawers. Uh, Duff told me that apparently it's you know the little terminals that they have they have these little chips in them or something and you can wave they wave them under and the the tables open. I've definitely seen them do that for yeah. the Apple watches where they they have to open them up exactly with the, with the terminals. Yeah, so it's the same thing to get the cash to come out too. Yeah, so if you're planning your Apple Store heist, one of the key key components here is you need to get your hands on one of their little iPod terminals so that you can open up all the tables. At this point, it really does sound like we're preparing for something like that. Oceans two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. me and you man we're going for those apple pencils there's nothing they can do about it we know yeah. they're in there yeah i'll sell them on ebay and make a fortune <laughs> that's the bounty yeah a <laughs> couple of weeks ago on one of our excursions in london 
I took you to a hipster coffee place. Oh, so hipster. So hipster. It is one of the most hipster coffee places that I've ever been to, which says a lot. I think it does, because I'm not even sure that you're able to perceive hipsterness in the way that other people do. You know, it's like you're a fish swimming in the water. Like, what do you mean? Where's the water? I'm too far in now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I took you to this place. Um, it was very, It's like all white inside with just black furniture and things are written on a chalkboard and that kind of thing. And I asked you what you wanted to drink. I got a latte for you and you're not a latte drinker, are you? I am not a latte drinker so much anymore, but uh, that's it's not entirely correct to say that I, w- I won't drink lattes. But I bought you a latte and we sat and drank the latte and it came in a really tiny cup as these things do because the coffee is always really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested in what you thought of this experience and this location, this place that I took you to. Yeah, well, well, um, this just happened to work out because uh, we were meeting up briefly. And also uh, that was the day that I very briefly met Federico Vitici, with whom you do several other podcasts on the Relay FM network. Uh, yeah, and so we needed to meet up someplace beforehand before meeting him on some special business that he was in London for. And yeah, so you took me to this place. You were trying to direct me there, and you told me its ridiculous hipster name. And as I rolled my eyes as I received the text message, like, oh, of course, <laughs> of course, this place has this name. It's just so pretentious. I can hardly believe it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. It's part of the fun. You feel like you're trying to convince me to drink better coffee. But my, my, my take on this is, for many, many years, I tried to avoid really understanding what better coffee was because my feeling was coffee is a tool in my life and i really don't want to go down the road of being one of these people who starts getting really picky about their no you see this is why i don't buy that if you consider it a tool why would you not want the best tool you do that in many other things in your life. You pick the best thing. We've had this conversation, this exact conversation about (laughs) spending the extra money to get the right thing the best thing so why would you not go for the best coffee, Gray? Because there are many there are many situations where you know what I don't want to have to hunt down some local hipster place to get my coffee. Like I just want to be able to get coffee that is acceptable and the same every time. Like that. But you st- that can is still the have value. that, right? So I still go to Starbucks sometimes for that exact reason. Right, but if if my tastes were such so that I was not able to perceive the difference between Starbucks coffee and other coffees, like oh this is even this is even better. Like this is a blindfold I'm happy to willingly wear. But all of this, all of this started unraveling for me maybe, I don't know, a year ago uh, when my wife and I took a trip up to York and we went to this fancy, famous restaurant in the center of York. And I had, um, was it blue, uh, blue Mountain Thunder coffee? And that was one of the first times I was like, oh, right, this coffee is so good that I can obviously taste the difference between this and just regular coffee. What is Blue Mountain Thunder? I, I'm not saying that right. Is it just Blue Thunder? Blue Ridge Mountain? No. No, 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 no. Or is it Mountain Thunder? It's the co- it's the coffee it's the coffee that I smuggled many many bags of uh, back from America. Yeah, it's just called Mountain Thunder. This is the one that you had that whole separate suitcase full of coffee. Yeah, yeah, I had a I had a whole suitcase full of coffee that. I was genuinely afraid that drug-sniffing dogs were going to pull aside and I was going to have some awkward conversations. I'm like, why do you have 200 pounds worth of coffee in your bag? It's like, I swear to God, it's just for my wife. That's this Hawaiian stuff, right? Yes, it's Hawaiian stuff. Okay. Like, and it's like, it's obviously, it's so much obviously better than other coffee. But since I was having that, I was like, oh, okay. And then we went back again and uh, I had another one that's like from this Jamaican uh, coffee place, which is also 
very well known. And it's like, okay, these coffees obviously taste better. Like I can understand the difference now. It's like, oh, great. Now this whole world of, of not being able to appreciate better coffee that I have intentionally constructed for myself is unraveling. And so that this has been the story of my life over the past year. And it has been this thing where it's like, oh, okay, well, what coffee do my wife and I make in the house? Like, what coffee beans do we have? It never used to be a problem. But now now that I can taste the difference, it's like, oh, great. Now this is a problem every time about, oh, sometimes the coffee isn't as good as other times. And I never used to know. And I, and I, didn't, I didn't want to know. But this is where I am now. But if you're drinking the coffee every day, it makes everything a little bit better. But I was fine before. I was fine before I knew. And now, now sometimes it's like, oh, this coffee is really disappointing. And suddenly I'm like a coffee snob and I never wanted to be here. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be like a man of the people with my coffee. I right. do not want to be a coffee snob. No, you can't always control these things. So what did you think of the hipster coffee then? It's good. Like it's obviously way better than a latte <laughs> at Starbucks. I'm, like, I'm not making the argument that I'm not making the argument that it isn't. And as you well know, Mister, ooh, how how did you how did you like it? You know <laughs> that I've been back there several times. Several times. I, yeah, I only know just of there one yesterday. time. Yesterday. Wow, look at that. Well, lucky for you, this happens to be in a location which is very convenient for me. That I'm always passing by it anyway. Great. It's lucky for you. I don't know if it is, but I was there yesterday, and of course, like I wanted to pay, and this, you know, like just like I would expect at one of these hipster places. It's like I just want to pay for my coffee, but ahead of me. The woman behind the counter is talking to the woman in front of me for like 10 minutes about the various brews and how they grind the beans and all the rest of it. And it's like, Jesus, it's like I'm in some episode of Portlandia here where it's like, can I just can I just pay for the coffee, please? But no, like you have to talk about how the how the farmers were feeling when they were pulling these beans off of the trees. It's like, oh, so frustrating. If you follow the potential trend lines in six months, that'll be you. <laughs> No, this is exactly it. Like, I don't want to be this guy. I really don't want to be this guy. So I finally got you to look at coffee in this way. Yeah, I do like the fancy coffee, uh, you know, but the coffee is a tool, Mike. And I just want to be able to drink it without having to constantly think of like, hmm, could this coffee be better? I don't want to, I don't want to have to think that. Small victories, Gray. No, this is a small defeat. My life is worse now than it was before. No way. You're looking at it in the, uh, the from the wrong perspective. You don't understand how much coffee I drink. That's a good point. You have no idea. Like, this is this is a slow, non-working day for me, and I'm already on my fourth cup of coffee. Whoa! Wow. But you're drinking the good stuff at home, though. My wife does all the coffee blending at prep. I, I actually have no idea what comes through the house anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know what, what the situation is. I have some other good home coffee recommendations I can make to you at some point. You're going to require that I use some fancy equipment. I don't want any of this. He's an AeroPress, man. No, uh, oh yeah, everybody, ooh, use an AeroPress, it's so simple. Yeah, I've seen those things. It just explodes everywhere with grinds. No, it's it's not as simple as everybody likes to pretend it is. That's only ever happened to me once. I mean, I did end up with burning hot coffee grinds on my face. But... <laughs> yeah, see? see? And no. all over the kitchen walls. But it only happened one time. <laughs> yeah, but it's also the AeroPress. It's like this tiny little thing. It's like, no, you don't understand. I'm making drip coffee by the pot at home, and I'm and I'm drinking pots of coffee. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It makes me one coffee at a time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't live like that, Mike. It's just awful. I used to drink instant coffee for years, and I, I resisted the the move to even filter coffee. So did I. But like, I'm just gonna remind you, you know, you literacy is a tool. Get the best you can get. All this good coffee has more has strong more caffeine in it. You have to think of best in a holistic sense here, Mike. Best includes time for preparation. It includes many many things. 
right? It doesn't it doesn't just mean like, oh, is this the best tasting coffee in the world? That is not how you measure a tool. Like best involves more than just one thing. And and for me, best is also has to do with consistency, right? And availability and ease of preparation and not having to think about it in this. This is this is the holistic view of best. You can't argue with that. I can. But not well. It doesn't taste as nice. <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is future CGP Grey recording from an undisclosed location. No, it's not a cabin in the Rocky Mountains, at least not yet anyway, but it is my own little version of that. I ended up deciding to take a little break at the last minute, actually the very day after Mike and I recorded that show, and I have been elsewhere. It's very much an offline vacation, and so one of the things I have been doing is reading books. And I've been reading a book called Essentialism. Oh, this is the Audible ad, in case you hadn't guessed already. It's a book that is very relevant to the conversation on this episode and on the last episode about dialing down and narrowing your focus on just a few projects. If these conversations on Cortex have resonated with you, you are going to want to check out Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less, written and read by Greg McEwen. I think it's a book that many Cortex listeners could get something valuable out of. So if you want to listen to that book, you're going to go to audible.com slash Cortex and get a free 30-day trial membership. If essentialism isn't up your alley, don't worry, Audible has more than 180,000 audio programs for you to listen to. That's a lot of books. There's going to be something there for you. Audible is the place that I use for audiobooks. They don't often promote it, but I really do like to mention their return policy, that if you download a book and it stinks, which I have done many times, you can just return it and get your money back. It's really a great feature. It makes trying out stuff just so much more of a freeing experience. Does it sound interesting? Just click it, download it, and give it a shot. So once again, we want to thank Audible for their support of Cortex and all of Relay FM, and you should go to audible.com/cortex to start your 30-day free trial today. So we spoke about you being super tired. Yes. And that's because you put out a new video. Yeah, super tired and apparently as this conversation has revealed, slightly grumpy. <laughs> oh, I like I like grumpy gray. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad this is for your entertainment. It's no, it's no, not because of my entertainment. It's for the entertainment of the people. Oh, even better. <laughs> even better. Care about the people. You made a new video, right? And yeah, yeah. This just from our from our perspective doing this recording. The video went up uh, what two days ago? Something yesterday? like that. Yeah. I don't know. And this video is very different to previous videos. It is definitely a different style than what i've done before and i I find this this video very interesting because i i had a bit of a sneak preview to it which i was privileged to receive yeah you lucked out you lucked out with some timing on this i did because people who follow the way i work will be aware that i do not like to talk about projects before they're released like i never ask i've just learned to never ask you, you never ask. All the people in, in my life never ask. You know, my, my wife knows she just never asks ever <laughs> what I'm working on. Why is that extra funny? Just think of everybody in your life that you might share stuff with. 
and I've discussed before, one of the reasons why I don't like to do that is because I often find that discussing it ahead of time just kind of removes a lot of incentive to actually make the thing. Or, I, I don't know, I feel like I almost talk myself out of projects sometimes when I talk to other people. There's just a, a variety of reasons why. Like I, I don't do it because I'm like a secretive paranoid freak. I don't do it because I have consistently found that it is detrimental to the process of production. So that like that's why I don't do it. Um, however, there is a very narrow window of time where when I have a script that is like 95% done, then sometimes I will talk to people I know about it because it's useful to occasionally run stuff by people and see like, how do people react to this topic? Uh, you know, let me ask some questions. Let me see what the other person is confused about. Because there, when the script is almost entirely done, like in theory, I could record it, but I'm still just trying to do some edits on it. At that point to me, it feels like I'm, I'm over this hill of inevitability. Like there's no way I'm not going to make the video anymore. So I might as well just work on it. And so from, from like the second to last draft through the animation phase, then I'm much more willing to talk about what I'm working on when people ask me. And you just happened to catch me. We just happened to meet up with each other in London. Uh, basically right at that point where I was like, there's no way I'm not making this video. And so I thought, oh, let me experiment on Mike a little bit. Let me run through this topic with him and see like what's he's con what is he confused about? What does he ask questions about? And make some notes and maybe tweak the script a little bit based on that. Did I pass the test? There's no test. Well, I mean, I could have just gone, Bleh. You know, and that's useless. It's absolutely useless to you. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the I've never had that happen when I run a topic by people where they just sit there like a drooling idiot. Uh, <laughs> so that has that has not yet occurred. Okay. Like, I, like I said, it's it's more of a it's more of a trying to gauge where confusing points are or where someone asks a question. And so that like that's actually what I'm I'm looking for. It's not like I'm trying to see like, ooh, how interested is the person in this thing? The time for that has long passed. It's more an issue of trying to look for points for confusion. And so that's why sometimes at the very last minute I'll talk about a video with with somebody else. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was uh, useful to do a, a quick run through you uh, with that. And I don't know. I think I recorded the recorded the audio the next day or the two days after that, something something along those lines, and then started on the whole animation process. I was kind of surprised how quickly it was from conversation to the video being released. It was like five or six days, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I just, it's just, just interesting to me. That like, it just, it really, I think, further demonstrates where the bottleneck is, which is the script writing. The getting the script to the place where I can record it, that is the hard part. And uh, I was thinking this morning because, uh, so the video that, that I put up is, I call it America Pox. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Broadly speaking, it's it's the answer to this question of why is it that when like Columbus visited the New World, we, there's this thing that historians call the Columbian Exchange, which is like Columbus and other explorers brought over all of these diseases and the and all of the Native Americans got sick. The question is like why didn't why didn't the European explorers get sick? Um, it's trying to answer it's trying to answer that question. And this is a video topic that for the past two Thanksgivings, I had attempted to make this video oh, wow. in time for. So this one is, is quite old. And I was, I was trying to estimate this morning. I, I'm going to guess that between 
this Thanksgiving, where I finally got it done, last Thanksgiving, and the Thanksgiving before that, where which were all times when I was working on the script. I'm going to guess that means, what, over three years, there might have been something like 50 drafts of this script before I decided to record it. Um, and it's in no small part because, like, people hear that and they they often just go immediately to, like, the the perfectionist thing. But it's like, oh, no, that's that's not my perception of this at all. It's just, like, I am not a very good writer, but I think that my skill is in editing. And this is just a complicated and somewhat sensitive topic and it's like boy it just required a lot of drafts and a lot of rewrites to get it to a place where i felt like okay yes this is like this is telling a story in an understandable way like it's a complicated thing there's lots of moving parts here uh this is not a video where i can just blast through some areas like in many of my videos there's lots of sections where it's like i can just kind of skip a whole bunch of stuff but it's like not with this one like there's you need to go through this step by step by step well it's like when we were talking about like the video is 12 minutes long and when we were talking about it it maybe took about an hour for me to actually understand yeah yeah right so it was it's very complex as a thing yeah it's it's a complex topic and it also took us much longer in person to go through it because uh i was also talking to you about a lot of the stuff that's probably going to be in the part two section as well yeah and that, that was also uh, what was useful for me as I was trying to figure out, like, how much of part two do I need to pull out? And talking to a, a real live human about it in person was like, oh, right, all of it, like everything that could be in part two, I should put in part two. And it's very obvious once I'm talking to someone that 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 has to be the way that it's going to be. So this was the first video post dialing down. Yeah. Yeah. And I wondered what kind of impact that actually made on the process, because I hope that it made some. Yeah, the, the the dialing down thing has been a very interesting experience. And the most direct thing that I can say is that part of the part of the dialing down thing that I have been doing, which is not explicitly part of this like staying off Twitter thing, but as a side effect, I've been very much focused on only working on two videos at a time. And when I have when I have this feeling of like, ooh, I want to go work on something else now, of trying to clamp it down and be like, no, you can't, you can't do this brain. Like, you can't start writing another script for another thing. Like, there's two videos that I'm working on, and that's it. So one of them was the one that just went up, and the other one is one that's uh, still in, in progress. When, when you get those ideas, though, do you still record them? Or do you let them go? Like, so you have an idea for something else. Do you just, like, record oh, yeah. them and walk away? Yeah, it's this is a habit that is ingrained in me uh, very thoroughly now is that when I have an idea about something, I just write it down and maybe I'll do something with that later. Maybe I won't, but I will write it down and I will make a record of it. And eventually that gets you know filtered through a bunch of reviews and systems and like maybe it turns into a thing or maybe it doesn't. Because if I don't write it down, then my brain really won't let it go. It's like, oh, we have to hold on to this amazing idea. It's like, no, brain, it's OK. We made a note. It's there. And we'll get to it later. And then the brain can kind of relax about that. But what I mean more is I would have... Um, very often I feel like I want to write about some topic. And that's the thing that I'm much more curtailing on. It's like, look, you're going to spend the majority of your mornings writing on these two videos only. And you can't spend a whole morning writing on 
another video because like I'm trying to set like I have pre-decided these two videos are the ones that I am working on and I have two slots available and when one of those slots frees up like then the next video that I will make a decision about will go in that free slot so I'll have two two on the burners at once but no more than two as opposed to previously when I was just like jumping around all of the time and as we discussed in the last episode I think the jumping around was related to my media consumption so I think that that is that's that's definitely related, but um, in a more in a more direct way, something that I thought was interesting. So when I put the video up, I did uh, relax a lot of my controls about like oh I'm not going to go on social media simply because like the video is so fundamental to my business and it is so important. It's like okay, it would just be stupid not to be on Reddit today yeah I'm, I'm pleased you said that because that would have been a bit ridiculous you you would have been cutting your nose off to spite your face in that scenario right it's like and that's why again i when i wrote that article i talked about dialing down because it is not a question of elimination it's a question of reduction it's being there when you need to and not when you don't right and so what i also did was i decided that it was okay to be looking at at mentions on twitter so I didn't post anything on Twitter. Okay. So like you were looking for disaster, disaster. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like if I just want to see if there's anything coming across the radar that's a real problem or anything that's unexpectedly good. And to not be on Twitter would would just be stupid. Right? It would just be dumb. It's like I'm releasing a video. There might be hundreds of thousands of people watching it today. Like today is not the day to say like, oh, I'm just going to sit here in the park and read a book and, and pay attention to nothing. Like it's just it's not a good idea. It's it's there's nothing about that that's good. So I still didn't post on Twitter except for just the self-promotion stuff as per normal. But I was looking at at mentions coming in and I was looking at uh, the Reddit and seeing conversations that were going on there. And as I do on a video day, I like to see because, you know, I'm, I'm always very interested in like, OK, what does the CGP Grey subreddit have to say about this? Like, here are the people who like the work that I do. What do they have to say? But I'm also very interested to go around on Reddit. And if there are conversations happening in different corners, like where people don't know who I am, like they're just discussing the video, that is also a very useful kind of feedback to see and to get. A subjective. Yeah, it's it's much more objective when people are less aware of who I am as a person and they're just like, they're looking at a video and, and making some thoughts about it. So that's, I definitely still did that. But what I was going to say that was connected to the dialing down is like, okay, so I let the gates open this day. But what was really interesting was that uh, I saw at least three different sources where people pointed out to me other places where other people had done not the same topic, but I would say adjacent topics just in like the last week. And oh, wow. So this to me was a perfect example of man. I am so glad I didn't know this. Now, none of the things that people sent to me would have been showstoppers because nobody was doing the exact same thing, but all of them were just very close and I feel like that would have, I'm glad I didn't even know about things that were close. Were they places that you potentially would have seen them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, wow. Definitely. Okay. So, yeah, this could have been a showstopper then. None of them would have been showstoppers. But what might, what might have happened had I not done the dialing down thing is that had I seen these things, I think it's pretty likely that I would have been less motivated to make the video. So I would have been working on it more slowly. 
And then it's also possible that that means I might have missed like the Thanksgiving deadline again. And then push it on to year four. Right, right. And then like this is the this is the problem that I have is like if I'm trying to make a video for a deadline and I miss the deadline, well, these things take a long time. And this is sometimes why like there's huge gaps in video upload schedules. It's like, oh, I spent several weeks on this thing. Mm, I didn't quite make it in time. Like, oh, well, like, there we go. Um, like that actually happened with the brief history of the royal family video. There were a couple of royal related events that that video was originally intended for. So that was another one that went uh, over a couple of huh. scripts over a couple of different times. And uh, I, I eventually made it for the uh, Queen Elizabeth reigning longer than Queen Victoria deadline because I really did feel like this is the final one. Like if you're ever going to do this video, this is the week to do this video. But there were there were some other royal related events that that one was originally intended for that I missed. But um, so anyway, the bottom line is that I am glad that I was unaware of the work of other education professionals during the production of this video. So it's a thumbs up, thumbs up on dialing down. So whilst that's a success, the, the other part of this that, that is a question mark in my mind is, does this type of success potentially lead to a scenario where you remain dialed down for a longer period of time? Because I see this sort of stuff and it's like winning. And it's like, that is, I think, as much a worry as it is a good thing, depending on your outlook. Again, we are recording this towards the end of November. And I can say without a doubt, I have already decided that I'm going to extend this for another month. So you're going to go to the end of the year. So I'm going to go to the end of the year. Like like I think we discussed in the last episode is that's a possibility. Whereas now I can say that's a that's a definite. And... In some ways, it has had less of an effect on my daily life than I would have originally expected. And let's say I wanted to sit down and and write an article for my website, which is like the follow-up to a month of reduced internet. I don't feel like I have any conclusions yet to write about that. I still feel very strongly like I am in the middle of this thing still, and I don't I don't really understand it. So if I was to sit down and try to say, like, here's what I figured out from this this month-long experiment, I would not have a good article to write about that because I just don't know what the conclusions are. So I am I am definitely intending to extend this for a longer period of time. And one of the things about extending it over December is that I'm going to be taking some time off. And that's going to be interesting because it means I will have stretches of time where... Like on past vacations, it would be very likely like, oh, I'll, I'll spend the day on social media and on Twitter and just because I enjoy these things. But I want to have like a series of days where I'm deciding like, no, this is not an option and I need to engage in other activities and see how that goes. So I think d- extending it to the end of the year also provides more feedback on what this means in different kind of scenarios. Like if I'm taking a week off, what does it mean to not be working and have a week off and also not be going on social media. Like, I, I don't know the answer to that right now. I don't know how that will be. Did you feel any difference when you were actually preparing the video? I felt more focused in the mornings. Like, this is definitely my conclusion from this is that the morning isolation is extremely beneficial. I think it, it really helps with not having mornings unintentionally derailed and it helps with focusing on this limited number of projects. So that that is definitely good. However, the, the hardest thing was when I was doing the animating, 
I felt like I was losing my mind because <laughs> like the animating, as I've often mentioned, is this process that I find very tedious and very hard. And I've often used Twitter as a, as a kind of steam valve to release just a lot of, I don't even know, I don't even want to say frustration is exactly it, but it's, it's almost like I have a need for greater stimulus when I'm doing the animation. Somebody please save me from what I'm doing right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. And uh, you were on the receiving end of that because I was instant yep. messaging you much more than I would normally do because <laughs> you it's were. like... You really were. It was fine <laughs> uh, because I knew what was going on and I was happy to help. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you were very chatty. Yeah, and it was uh, like, I am not a chatty person. Uh, even mm-hmm. people I instant message with know that I am not a chatty person in the least. But I was like, I think Mike will put up with this. Like, hi, Mike, let me look at this ridiculous stock footage that I found, right? And it's like, <laughs> like, look at this buffalo. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I have to say that that was interesting because I genuinely don't think that the... Like being on Twitter slows me down during the animation phase. If if it does slow me down, it's something small. It's like 5% or 10% slower at most. But I can say that being on Twitter makes the animation phase 75% more tolerable is the is the way to put it. So so that was that was a, a real frustration. And I mean, this this video, because it was longer, it took a much longer time to animate than most videos. It was probably about four full days of animating. And I mean really full days of animating. Yeah, what time were you up till until the last night? I felt like you sent me a message at like 5 a.m. or something. It felt something like that anyway. So I posted the video on Monday. And Sunday was the final push where I was like, I want this video up on Monday for a variety of reasons. And I want it up early in the morning America time on Monday and like I'm going to hit this goal and I'm not going to go to sleep until this is done and so uh Sunday I woke up at about seven in the morning and then yeah I sent I sent a message to you and I did a couple of things and I looked at the clock and I went to bed at 5 30 in the morning on Monday and then I slept from 5 30 until about 7 30 on Monday morning and then got up and at that point, the video was done, like the animation was finished at 5.30 in the morning. But as you know from YouTube, like there are many things that you need to do to get the video ready to upload. And especially when you're uploading a really big file, uh, like a 4K thing, and I want to put in annotations yeah. and like hidden links for people. It's like if you're doing something important, like I yeah. can imagine how this takes hours. Like all I'm doing is uploading an audio file with an image. Yeah. To to a not very like a not massively popular channel either, right? Yeah. Like if I screwed something up, there's not a lot of people that are going to see it, and also not a lot of people that would really care so much. Like even if everybody saw it, nobody's going to be like super upset about it. Yeah. But and also because it doesn't make us a lot of money, but like if you screw something up on your videos, that's like a big problem. Yeah. the the YouTube <laughs> the, the YouTube is definitely the absolute center of my business, right? E- even though I upload videos less frequently than I do podcasts, the YouTube is definitely still the central thing. So if there's a problem with the YouTube video, it's a big problem. And the infrequency adds to the bigness of the problem. Like it, this has to go right. You are afforded less mistakes yeah. because you don't publish every week. Yeah. And there's also just a lot of stuff to do. So I, ha- I have this whole checklist that I run through where it's like, okay, 
Really? You have a check. Have a checklist. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but the people who support me on Patreon, it's like, okay, I have this wall of thanks on my website. Like, I want to go through, and I have to update the wall of thanks. Make sure all of that's in place. Make sure that the people who get special thanks in the video description, like, make sure they're in there. So it's like I have to get things ready to go on like three platforms. It's YouTube. I have to have all the Patreon stuff in place, and then I also upload it to the podcast RSS feed as well. So it's like, okay, I have to have all of this ready to go. So anyway, Monday morning, I got up at about 7, and I was ready to go at 11, and I started slowly rolling it out in a couple of different places at starting at about 11.30. But but yeah, so the the animation days were were very, very long and very, very tiring. And, and this, is, this is the case where I feel like right now I'm going almost through jet lag without flying. Like, because uh, <laughs> I really, yesterday I was not in a very good state of things it's like i was just way overtired and not thinking super clearly and today i'm starting to become much more like a normal person but yeah big animation pushes take a lot out of me and i'm very glad that i got this done and like and it was up and it was there in time uh but yeah this this was uh this was much more animation than than normal <laughs> i'm gonna try not to i'm gonna try not to animate 12 minutes worth of stuff in that short time frame ever again if i can avoid it very happy to say that this week's episode is also brought to you by the fine people over at Hover, the best way to buy and manage domain names. I love Hover for many different reasons. They make it super easy for you to go in and search for that domain name that you're looking for. These days, domain names are so important for so many different things. Everything is on the internet. You know, you might want to have a blog, which is awesome, but obviously you need a domain for that. But even if you have like a restaurant, you need a website and you need a domain. And buying domains in the past has been a bit of a hairy effect. You have to deal with companies that want to sell you a bunch of stuff that you're not really interested in because all you want is that cool name that you've been thinking about. You just want to get it quickly so you can get on with building the project that you've been working on. This is what Hover is completely focused on doing. They want to make it a completely hassle-free experience so you're able to just go in, search for what you're looking for, choose from one of their great domain options like .com, .co, .me or the new crazy ones too like .limo or .coffee. I wonder if hipster.coffee is available for Gray. Maybe I should check that. That's probably quite a good one. I'm sure that he would like that very much these days. So you can go in, choose whatever it is that you're looking for. Their .com domains start at just $12.99. They also include who is privacy for free too of all of the domains that support it. Basically, what this means is that the private information that you need to give to register the domain, like your name and your contact information, will be kept private. Other registrars and other companies, they make you pay for this. Hover, give it to you for free because your private information information should be private. They also have something new that I really like called Hover Connect. And what this does is usually when you buy a domain, you have to go into the domain admin panel and put in a bunch of interesting codes that come from a service that you're trying to point your domain to, you know, something like Shopify or Tumblr or Squarespace, for example. But with Hover Connect, all you do is you just select the service that you want to point your domain to and Hover take all of the pain away and just fill in all that information for you. They make it super easy with just a few clicks, your domain will be ready to go. Hover also have fantastic no-hold, no-wait, no-transfer telephone support. When you call Hover, you'll be talking to an actual human being. They have great email support too, which I've used a bunch. If you are looking to get yourself a domain name, Hover is the place that you should be looking to go to. So go right now to hover.com, H-O-V-E-R.com and try them out. Use the code BREAK, B-R-E-A-K at checkout and you'll get yourself 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for Cortex and all of Relay FM. That is the code BREAK at checkout. Thank you so much to Hover for their continued support of this show. 
There's a lot of different stuff in this video, though. Like, your tone was different. You had, like, the background music was, like, real, really dramatic. It was very different. I mean, I really liked it, but it was very different. Yeah, so... I mean, this is this is this is a bit of a broader topic in some way, like making making things for the internet, right? And I think humans need not apply was the first thing like this that I did that was different. Yeah, there there was a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, where like I had been known for making brief, fast talking videos, and then uh, I made humans need not apply. And that was the first time I tried something different. I still think that that is probably my best work to date. When I look at it now, there are things that I would change or that I would do differently, but I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way that it, that it came out. So that was the first time I wasn't talking super fast in a video. And with this one, as I was writing the script for this, I, I just became more and more aware that like my normal style of like, fast and breezy and like let's just talk about these things and do 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 like this doesn't work when you're talking about a kind of unintentional genocide <laughs> like it's just like you know what there's no way there's no way to be super breezy about the death of tens of millions of people right it's like you can't make a funny video about how did the holocaust happen and this this is like a similar kind of topic when you're just talking about many people died and let's talk about why that happened you just can't do that with like upbeat music in the background. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I think maybe one of the reasons why I never quite got the video ready for earlier Thanksgivings is that the earlier scripts were still much more in my style. And it was this year and this time trying to get it done that I realized like, I know I need to change this whole thing around. Like the, the whole way that I'm approaching it just won't work. And so that's why I slowed it way down. Like I talk slower in this than I talk in Humans Need Not Apply. And Humans Need Not Apply is already much slower than my normal style. And that was a very deliberate choice to try to, to, try to match the, the tone of this thing. But so I'm, I am very happy with the way it came out. I feel like I achieved the tone and the style that I was setting out to achieve. And I also think it's very good if, if you are making things for the internet. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if everyone feels this way, but I definitely feel this way that sometimes I want to intentionally butt against the trend that I am setting for myself. Like, I don't, I don't always want to do the style of video that people are expecting that I do. Like, I, I think doing things that are different is beneficial for a long-term career. And so it would not surprise me if this video ends up being not as popular as the others, because I think both the style and the content work against virality. This is not sailing with the winds of what spreads well on the internet. Like, this is sailing against the winds. But... I think it's it's good as a creator to do something different. And I feel like I have achieved that. You've got to be able to grow and adapt. Yeah, or not not even just grow and adapt, but it's it's this feeling of like it's easy to become a parody of yourself, uh especially if you have a a known style. And that that's the kind of thing that I'm just trying to 
I don't want to even say I'm trying to avoid because I like doing the videos in my normal style. Like I think I'm, I think I'm good at that. I'm not saying that I'm trying to avoid that. It's not like oh, I'm going to make serious videos from now on because I'm, I'm a serious video maker. It's like I no, th I, th I think at the point when people start to refer as a, to a video as a CGP Grey style video, like indicates that you need to make sure that you don't do that too often. I think. Yeah, and and it's just like, uh, so. I mean, I have a rough timeline for videos that are going to come out. I mean, excluding this part two video, uh, like the third thing that's up on my on my like mental cue of what's probably going to happen next is that I will have another sort of very normal CGP Grey style video. Like I'm not avoiding that at all. But I just think it's it's good to do stuff that's different sometimes because it's one of the reasons why like when I made a YouTube channel, I specifically used the channel that was just my name. And I didn't use a channel that was called like fast talking geography vids because then you're, you're locking yourself into this thing. And even before I had a public career, I was very aware of like, man, I never want to lock myself into this specific thing. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why even any of the projects that I do online, like Hello Internet, what does the title Hello Internet mean? Nothing, right? Or what does the title Cortex mean? nothing right it can it can be anything because i never want to feel like something is locked into what you decide it's going to be at the start yeah i'm very much subscribed to that so like the, the names of my shows with maybe like one exception they are made to be uh obtuse enough that the show can adapt and change without needing to rebrand yeah I want to be clear for anybody who's thinking about starting something this strategy of like the rebranding strategy it is not necessarily the correct one. And I actually think that when you are starting, picking something specific gives you a lot of advantages. Uh, you are much more likely to get things like conference invitations, right? You, you, you have a much more clear group of people who might be interested in you if for your project you pick a specific title that says what it is that you do. Like, and I, and I see that very clearly. Um, so I'm, I, I just want to say, like, I'm not saying that this is the right strategy for everyone. I'm just saying that, like, I know my own personality well enough that I would feel really hemmed in by that. If I had projects that had names that said exactly what they are. You know, that's, that's the reason why this podcast is not called Mike and Gray Talk About Work for Exactly 90 Minutes Podcast. I couldn't possibly do that. It would, it's just like, oh, I would feel so, so claustrophobic. It's like, get me out of this box. I can't, I can't be in here. This is no good. So, so I guess this, this video was an example of me picking a topic that I have always found really, really interesting, working on it for a while, realizing that it needs a different style than my normal videos do and then from my perspective like successfully achieving a certain feeling with this video so i'm i have to say i'm pretty i am pretty pleased with it and if as i guess it is not as popular as some of my other videos i feel like eh, I, you know that's fine you know you not everything's always going to be super popular and i'm very happy with the thing that i have made here it's doing well though yeah it's it's always hard to know this early um, I can see it seems to be doing fine, but I, I think I don't, I won't have a real good sense until like a month in one, one of the ways I, I view how successful videos are is how many views do they still get long after they were published? 
Like I'm much more interested in how many views does a video get six months from now than I am about like, what was the opening weekend? When I, when I look at any of the stats on my channel, I really like to look at like what videos are the most popular in the last 365 days that were not published in the last 365 days. That, that to me is a real measure of like, oh, this is a video that obviously is sticking with people. What do you learn from that? Uh, I don't know what I learned from that. <laughs> it's, that's a kind of thing that I don't think is actionable information. It's like if I was to just take, I'm looking at your page right now, I'm looking at the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And the difference, you know, the UK explain video is your most popular video. You're approaching 8 million views on that video, right? Mm -hmm. But then humans need not apply, which is not even, well, it's about a year old now, is five and a half million. Mm -hmm. So like that really tells me, like if I'm to look at those two things, I would say that you should make more videos like humans need not apply. Like that is what I see. My personal assessment is that humans need not apply is my is my best video. And that also matches up with the how many people are still watching this video long after it's published. Depending on how you look at it, depending on what your measure of it is, it's your most successful YouTube video. By the ways that I would measure success, it's the most successful one. This is the way I like to look at stuff is over, over the long term. And so that's why... Yeah, like the the, the, um, the America Pox video is doing fine, you know, for the first couple of days. But I really just feel like I won't know until much further in the future. Like, how how well does this video do? Does this is this a video that people are still interested in six months from now? Like, that's that's what I want as a as a successful video. And yeah, looking, I'm I have the stats now in front of me. Like, my like videos that are doing really well that were not published recently. It's like humans need not apply. The Lord of the Rings videos, uh, the this video will make you angry one. Like those, those are videos that seem to be sticking with people over a long period of time uh, that, they're, that they're still really interested in, um, even after they've been published. So I, I don't think there's anything super actionable to be drawn from that. It's just, it's just a thing that I, I like to be aware of. Well, the action comes in trends. Like, so if America Pox goes the same way as humans need not apply i think that does tell you something <laughs> serious long videos with stock footage in them that, that's that's the two things that that match those videos up right they're longer yeah. they're more serious and the presentation is different yeah yeah i guess you're right there is there would be something to be drawn from that if humans need not apply in america pox have similar trends over the long scale I guess the reason why I'm saying that it's not actionable is because I feel like I am not in control of the topics that I work on in the sense that I, I can't I can't set out to make a video that is a long video on a serious topic, right? It's like I work on the projects that are interesting to me and that somewhat dictates the way that the videos end up is how I'm choosing to explain these things. But I, I, if I was setting out to attempt to do a long, serious video, I, I don't think I could just do that. Where it's like, oh, I'm going to pick a topic and, and do this thing. So that, that's what I mean by it's, it's not actionable. It's just like, okay, well, some, some video topics will naturally reveal themselves over time to be longer things, and, and some won't. And I am just very fortunate that I am in the position where I am able to work on the videos that are of interest to me and the topics that are of interest to me. 
and I don't have someone, I don't have a boss, right, who is, you know, the CEO of the CGP Grey company who's yelling at me saying like, oh, the metrics say, right, long videos, right? So your job now is to work for eight hours a day on long videos. It's like, that's just, that's not the position that I'm in. And so that's not, that's not what I'm going to do. So everybody that's kind of subscribed to your channel is used to your style, right? They're used to like, hey, everyone, it's CGP Grey. You know, like it's, you know, it's jolly-ish, I guess you would maybe describe it in most scenarios. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the internet Santa. I'm just a jolly you man. <laughs> and you only come once a year. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they're used to a, a specific type of video from you, right? When they see a video pop up, they have an idea of what they're going to be getting. And this mm-hmm. video kind of isn't that, right? Yeah, like it's immediately that. it's like a punch in the gut. It's like, this is super serious. Listen to how dramatic that music is. <laughs> how did people take to that? Have you had feedback that tells you one way or another what people think of it? If you look in the YouTube comments, which I normally stay away from, but ha- having done something that's different, it's like, oh, I want to I want to try to draw feedback from as wide of a net as I can cast, you know, to see what do people think about this. So I, was, I, I even looked in the YouTube comments. And between YouTube and Reddit and all the various places, it's like the number of people who are freaking out over how slow the narration is, is very high. Oh my word, look at this. This is so weird. Are you looking at it now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is slow. And so you sent me the audio beforehand and I noticed that. And I played it for Adina too. We were listening to it together. Mm -hmm. Because I knew the story and I wanted to see if she could understand the story just listening to your audio. Right. And... It is different. It's very different. And you are speaking very slowly. But I found that personally helpful because this is a very deep and confusing topic. Mm -hmm. So talking slowly, I think, helped. And also, if you talk quickly, you do always sound like Jolly Grey. You know, like Mm -hmm. the presentation style, if you were speaking fast, I think it would have sounded like you were maybe making light of this situation. If you're talking fast... People almost always assume that it's lighter, right? It's very hard to talk fast and talk serious. I don't think I could I could pull that off. There has to be a thousand comments of people complaining that it's too slow. Yeah. Right. Like easy. It's not an exaggeration. I mean, easily a thousand literal comments of people saying that it's too slow between you know all the various places that I've I've uh, I've received feedback. I'm trying to trying to broaden this out, but just this to me is like an interesting learning point for again any anybody who's listening who wants to make things for the internet. Like no matter no matter what it is you're trying to make. Like if you are trying to make something that you want it to be popular in any sense, there are many many things that you need to figure out about feedback from people and like how to how to handle the internet and the way that it responds to what you do. And there's a couple of things to pull out from here. So if you look at any of my other videos, you will often see many people complaining that I talk too fast. Right? And so it's like, you look on lots of videos, it's like, oh man, this video would be great if he could just talk slower. And I think especially the last one that I just did, uh, the, um, the royal family one, the history of the royal family one, I think that one got a disproportionate number of comments where people were saying, this is just too fast, right? Like you're You just... were going a mile a minute. But that was, I think on that one, a lot of the stuff was actually just not important. But that's precisely why. Like I made a decision to go almost as fast as I could clearly talk <laughs> on that one, 
What are you laughing at? No, that is just funny. It's you know, like it, I could just imagine you just really trying to speed it up. But it kind of made sense for me in that one because it was the point of it, right? Like this is a ton of stuff which is not really important, which will get me to the end. The point of it is the structure of the whole thing, not the details of any particular branch. Yeah, right? that that's why I can go fast. Like it doesn't matter that there were four kids and two of them. Well, I mean, you know, it matters if you think about it from a human perspective. But just looking at the statistics, it doesn't matter that there were four kids and two of them died. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why, like, on so many of those branches of the family tree, like, I don't even mention most of the children, like, because it just doesn't, like, we're just trying to get to the end here, right? We're just, like, we're trying to get to Queen Elizabeth, like, and let's go. So, that, so that's why I can go fast. But so here, here is the thing that I think I, I sometimes see people get really maddened by this. And even even just when people are leaving discussions on Reddit, like, let's, let's say that people are arguing about anything on Reddit. I see people lose their mind because... They feel like they're arguing with some kind of consistent entity when they're arguing with the internet. And it is not a consistent entity. And so the the important thing here with feedback is like, okay, listen, the last video I made or two videos ago, people were complaining it's too fast. And now I make a video that's slow and people are, are freaking out that it's too slow. Lesson number one from the internet is you have to realize there's no there's no consistency here, right? It's It's different people who are complaining about different things. That's just what's going to happen. So like lesson number one is if you are trying to make things in such a way so that you don't receive negative feedback, you are always going to lose that game. You just you just can't make a thing and put it on the internet and expect that everyone is going to like it. It's just not possible. Like if your goal, if you want to be like, oh, I've, I've crafted this thing and here internet, let me put it out for you to love and adore. If that, like, if that's your thought process, like I think you shouldn't make things for the internet if you want everyone to like them because it's just not going to happen if any number of people see the things that you make. And you have to learn to be okay with situations where it's like, listen, this example with the narration pace. If you are making a video, you will never, ever find a narration pace that makes everybody happy. It's just, it's just not going to happen. No matter what you do, you know, if you try to hit, hit it exactly, like someone is going to complain it's either too fast or too slow because they're different people. Like you're just, you're crossing various people's boundaries about what is acceptable, what is too fast or what is too slow. And this goes for absolutely anything that you make. I think in the, in the podcasting world, there's something similar to this, which is talking about the length of podcasts. And you hear this in the industry where it's like people complain that the podcasts are too long and then you make them short and people go, oh, the podcasts are too short now, you know, or you you do a podcast and it's like, oh, this is a big, serious podcast that's talking about a topic. And, and so people go like, oh, it's not fun anymore. Like you're talking about this big, serious thing. And then if you do a, a podcast that has a bunch of like little things, people go, oh, I missed the topics, right? You You can never, ever expect to make something that everybody likes and you just... You have to like walk into the internet understanding and accepting that. Like it's okay. It's okay that not everybody likes the thing that you have made. It is it is a kind of lunacy to expect otherwise. Yet I see people all the time who make things for the internet and then they seem to get deeply upset and wounded that not everybody likes the thing that they have made. Like it's just it's just never ever ever going to happen like that. So how have you felt in general about the feedback that you've received for this video then? So I, I think maybe this is a good stage for like lesson two about receiving feedback on the internet. 
which is that if you make things for the internet, it has to be you that judges the validity of any complaints that people have. And so, again, if, I try to think about this. Like, you have to map out the various actions. Like, let's say you make something for the internet, and you are very happy with the thing that you have made, and you want it to be super popular. But when you put it out on the internet, everybody hates it, and it gets a very low number of views. Right? Okay, that's like, a, that's like a sad moment for anybody who's trying to be a professional creator. It's like, nobody likes it. And very few people watch it. Like it's, oh, that's that's very sad. The thing to learn from that is your assessment of the thing being good was was not correct. Like you, you were miscalibrated for how good this thing really was. But if you make something and lots of people see it, and there is some segment of people who don't like the thing. So for example, like we'll take all of the, like your narration was too slow on this last video feedback. That feedback doesn't affect me because like my own assessment of it was, no, this was, this was the correct pace for this video. And so now this is a situation where it's like, oh, okay. I think that I did the right thing and the video seems to be doing okay in terms of popularity. And so the criticism from the too slowness, like, well, this is, this doesn't affect me. Right? This is not relevant because going back to rule number one, like you can't make everybody happy. And that means like you as the creator of a thing, you are the person who decides what criticism is valid and what criticism isn't valid. Implicitly here, what I'm trying to argue against is, is sometimes there's an attitude that creators have, which is like, just ignore all of the feedback, right? Don't, you know, you just make a thing and... People will be mean and just ignore all of the feedback and don't pay any attention to that. And I don't take that position. I think that it is good to look at the feedback. And if if you shut out the whole rest of the world, you become like an isolated crazy king in a castle where it's just like, oh, I, I am living in this, in this world of my own creation and I, I am deciding that everything that I do is great. And so you, you have to let feedback in into your world. You have to look at the comments. You have to look at what people are saying. But it doesn't mean that you have to accept every criticism as valid. And I think that's that's one of the things that I see with newer creators is they make the mistake of assuming that all criticism is valid. And that's not the case. Like you have to decide when the criticism is valid. Uh, like like as an example, I have received criticism sometimes that people don't like the background music that I do in the videos. That is an example of, I saw people being critical about that and I thought about it and I came to the conclusion that like, I agree with that criticism. I wouldn't have thought of that on my own because frankly, I don't often really think a lot about the background music. It's always like, oh great, I have to do this thing now, right? With this stupid background music and I just kind of throw it on at the end. But it's like, oh no, that criticism was correct. But like, I am the one judging that like, yes, this person has pointed out a thing in my videos that could be better. And I think they're right on that. And so that's the thing was like, okay, I've taken that on board and I have tried to spend more time selecting music. Or like for this video, this is a time where like I commissioned custom music to be made for it. Because it's like, no, this is never going to work if I just try at the last moment just to get some, some random music underneath this. You shouldn't shut yourself off 
from all criticism, but it's like you are the one who has to make decisions about whether or not the criticism is valid or it's invalid. And like, like this is this is the process of being a person who makes things for the internet. I like the music. Yeah, yeah, it was it was done. Uh, I got Alan Key on YouTube to put it together for me, and he did a he did a great job. He did a really great job, and uh, the music was so good that one of the things I actually did was I didn't know exactly what pieces I was going to use where, but when I was doing the audio recording on the day. I actually had some of the sections of the music playing very softly in my headphones while I was recording the audio. That's a clever tactic. It was really helpful because it also helped... It helped me try to match the slowness pitch to what the music was going to sound like. Here's a particular segment of music, and you want to hear this and talk through it at an appropriate pace. And like that's something I never would have done a while ago. Well, if the music is set in the tone, then it is very helpful for you to hear that when you're recording. Yeah, that is something I'd never done before. It was a very interesting experience. I don't think I always need to do that, but like, oh, this is now another tool in like the tool chest of of making things. Like, okay, for some videos, if you can get music ahead of time, like maybe it's helpful to hear that while you're actually recording. The audio. Again, I don't think it matters all the time, but I can definitely see for some future projects that I'm thinking of. Like, oh yes, this is a thing that I might want to do in the future. And then like, okay, this is definitely a place where the videos get stronger then because if the narration matches the music in the background even better, like now the whole thing is better. And this like this is this is an improvement that has grown out of a criticism that would not have occurred to me on my own. So the next video is already set, isn't it? Well, well, here's the thing, Mike. Here's the thing, Mike. There is no such thing as set. (laughs) (laughs) When you're me, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. This would uh, not be the first time that I have promised a second part to something and taken a very, very long time to deliver on that that second part. And even when, uh, towards the end, when I was discussing the project with my wife, and I mentioned like, oh, this is the here. Like she was listening to some of the early audio and I was like, okay, and this is where I'm going to mention part two. And she looked at me and she said, didn't you swear to me that you were never, ever going to promise a part two ever again? Because it's always worked out disastrously when you do that. And I was like, yeah, I have said that. But this time is going to be totally different. I swear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> now I feel bad. Like I feel like now there's a but. <laughs> So what I said before about this this thing that I'm trying now, which is to work on only two projects at a time. Now that this the America Pox video is up, I'm going to put part two in the slot that was the America Pox part. But that doesn't mean that the the other video that I'm working on might come out before part two comes out. So like I'm not I'm not making any promises that part two is going to be the next video. It may just happen to be that as I'm working on these two, the other one comes close to completion much faster in an unexpected way. And also, well, you'll see when it goes out, but that's another video that's going to be a little little bit different than normal stuff. So it may happen to come out sooner than part two, but <laughs> I shouldn't say this out loud, but I like, I feel very confident that I won't run into any last minute problems with part two that derail it for years and years, like has happened in the past. Why are you saying this? 
Like why? Why? Of everybody that I know, you'd be the person least likely to say something like this. I am very tired, and I am very overconfident. So I, at this moment, cannot foresee even the potential of future problems in the production process.